We will be learning the Sikh and Chelek Yezayin on Parshas Bahar, which also connects to Lagba Omer. We know that it is customary to study Pirkei Avos in the Shabbos in between Pesach and Shavuos. Every Shabbos we learn one chapter of Pirkei Avos. And very often it happens that the Shabbos of Parshas Bahar, which is this Shabbos, we learn the fourth Perek, Perek Revi. And being that everything in Torah is exact, so we understand that Perik Revi must have a connection to Parsha's Bahar because that's the Parsha in which it is being read. In addition to this, we also know that in some years, Agba Omer falls in the week of Parsha's Bahar. And according to the teaching of the Shalot, that every time we have a special day, a holiday, a special festival, there is always a connection between that Parsha and the Yontif that falls in it. So certainly Lagba Omer must have a connection to Parsha's Bahar, and since that has a connection to Parsha's Bahar, it would also have a connection to the fourth Perik of Pirkei Avos, which is read this Shabbos. And indeed, if we go through Pirkei Avos of this week, we go to Mishnah Yud Gimel, the 13th Mishnah, and we have there a lesson from Rav Shimon Bar Yochoi, who teaches us that there are three crowns. There is the crown of Torah, the crown of Kehuna, Kohanim, and the crown of Malchus, of kingship, kingdom, and then there is also the crown of a good name, and the crown of a good name supersedes, rises above all the other three crowns that came before. We all know that Lagba Omer is the day of the Histalkos of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. It's also a day when we celebrate his life. So therefore, we must say that it's quite interesting that the teachings and the lessons of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai we are taught that in every single Perik of every Mesechta of the Shas, we have a lesson from Rav Shemar Bar Yochoi. And it's very interesting that we're learning one of his lessons in the Parsha of this week, which connects to his yard site. What happens on the day of a yard site? So we are taught that all the deeds and all the learning and all the avoda of a particular tzaddik goes up. Lamaila, it reaches it reaches a state of perfection. And therefore, we must say that in this Mishnah, in this particular Perik, in this particular Parsha, in this particular time, the same thing can be said of Rab Shemar Bayachoi. And especially since Lagba Omer is also connected to the theme of Parsha's Bahar. So obviously, this lesson of this Mishnah relates to the Parsha, relates to Rab Shimon, relates to Lagbomer, and relates to the Pirkei Avos of the week. So in order to understand, we're going to see what is essentially the theme of this week's Parsha when Lagba Omer falls, as it does this year, with what we are learning in the Mishnah of Reb Shimon and Pirkei Avos. So in Parsha's Bahar, we find two extremes. The Parsha begins with a mitzvah of Shemitah, Shemitah, of course, is a mitzvah when the land is left to rest and we rely completely on Hashem. Even in matters of basic food, we can't even plant or plow or harvest our food. And this mitzvah is done particularly in Eretz Yisrael. What happens in Eretz Yisrael? It's already after we've been in the Midbar and it's a regular kind of life, meaning we live according to the laws of nature, so much so that when the Torah tells us not to work the land in the land of Shemitah, 
the Torah also knows that we may worry if we will not be able to work with the land and benefit from it the way we normally do. We may ask, we have to observe Shemitah, what will we eat? The Torah says, Ranuf, you will say, what will we eat? And the Torah comes to tell us that we shouldn't be concerned because if we follow what Hashem wants, then we will have so much food in the sixth that we will understand by ourselves that it will suffice for the sixth and the seventh and even the eighth that follows. Then the parsha continues with several things and all of these things show a downgrading from the level of what we learn about the Mitzvah of Shemitah that was told at Har Sinai. We learn that people can fall down and didn't can do things that are not so important, that I'm sorry, that are not uh, allowed, and to the point where a Jew can come to a level where he sells himself as a slave, and not only as a slave, but a slave to a non-Jew, and not only as a slave to a non-Jew, but as a slave to a non-Jew to service the idols, the avodah of that non-Jew, in a way that he begins to become so connected to his master, that he may become to live like him and saying, being that my master does not keep the laws of morality, being that my master serves idols, being that my master does a great Shabbos, I will do the same. So that is certainly a devastatingly lowering of a level for a Yid. But yet, all these levels of going downward and doing things that we shouldn't is all part of Parshas Bahar. Parshas Bahar actually, which teaches the laws of Shemitah, speaks about the fact that these laws were taught at Har Sinai. What do we mean when we say taught at Har Sinai? What does Har Sinai represent for all of us? Har Sinai is a very lofty place, a very superior kind of place, a place literally where the Torah was given. So the place where the Torah was given at a time when the Yidden were at the highest possible spiritual level. So such a place, in that sense, must be completely higher than the world, may even be superior to the time when the Yidden were in the Midbar. And then we go to speak about a lowering to such a degree that a Yid may actually become a servant to all the things that he's not allowed to be because he's serving a master who does those things. So how do we understand this? So we'll speak for a minute about what is the whole purpose of having gotten the Torah. We received the Torah at Har Sinai, but we were not meant to remain at Har Sinai. We were not meant to remain in the Midbar. We were not meant to live like that. We were meant to live in a world of called Eretz Mosheves, of a settled land, a normal pattern of life, a pattern that follows nature, which, of course, once we're living in that kind of pattern, one can fall down, one can stumble and go down to very low levels. But being that we have the Kayach of Harsinai, we have the Kayach of the Torah that was given to us at Harsinai when we were at such a lofty level, this helps us to overpower all the concealment of godliness that exists in the world. This is really how Hashem made it. And the Torah knows that we will question and we will be concerned. But the Torah gives us the koach to overcome all the obstacles. When the Torah says, as we mentioned before, don't worry about your concerns. What will you eat in the year of Shemitah? I am telling you 
that I will bring in my bracha already in the sixth year that will be able to take you through all the following experience that were difficult. So already we know before we start with the observance of Shemitah, before we start with the keeping of the mitzvah, we already know that we will not have any problem. And this doesn't apply to all Yidin, but if we're even speaking about the kind of Yid that goes so far down that he absolutely identifies with his master and forgets about his Yiddishkeit. So that's what Parsha's Bahar is. We go from the extreme level of Har Sinai and getting the Torah to the level of descending continuously when one becomes completely uh, oblivious to his Jewish identity. Now, if we look at the theme of the Mishnah and Pirkei Ovos that we're learning this week, that it comes to us in the name of Rav Shemar Bar Yochoi. So let's study exactly what it says there. The Mishnah says, there are three crowns, the crown of Torah, the crown of Kehuna, and the crown of Malchus. And there is the crown of a good name, and the crown of a good name rises above all of them. What do we mean by a good name? What kind of good name are we talking about? We are talking about a good name that a Jew acquires for himself or for herself through doing good deeds. So this is very nice and very true about Yidin. Who teaches this to us? Rabbi Shimon Ben Yochoi. Who was Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochoi? So we learn about him, that he was from those unique individuals about whom we say Torahso Umnoso. Torahso Umnoso means that Torah was his trade, Torah was his very being, he and Torah were one, and this is one of the most famous things we know about Rav Shimon Bar Yochoi. So the same Rav Shimon Bar Yochoi, whose life was essentially Torah to the point where he and others like him may not have been obligated to do many of the mitzvot. So in, in spite of the fact that he was so great in Torah, and not only in Torah, but he epitomized the crown of Torah, Keser Torah, how Torah could reach in a Yid who learns it, the crown, making that yid, the crown of perfection of Torah. And he is the one who speaks about Keser Shem Tov, the crown of a good name, is one that is acquired through deeds, not necessarily through learning. And this teaches us because the whole purpose of any Torah learning, the whole purpose of any connection to Torah is that it should lead to Masim Tovim. What are Masim Tovim? Masim Tovim are good actions, good deeds, and these good deeds are not related to intellectualism and striving in higher worlds. These good deeds actually accomplish something in the physical, natural, material world. So now we have to try to understand this. If we're talking about most people who learn Torah and also do good deeds, but their essence is not necessarily learning Torah, this was only related to very, very few people so they are not in the category of Lomde Torah, but rather the category of most Yidin, Uvdin Tavin, they do good deeds. They practice doing what Hashem wants. So we could understand why by people of that caliber, Keser Shem Tov is even greater than Keser Torah, because what they do is not so much the uniting with Hashem in their learning as through the good deeds and the good name that they bring into the world. But how can we say that Reb Shimon Bar Yochoi who we just mentioned is Torah so umno. So this is his trade, this is his life. 
This is what he is most focused on, knowing also that he is a student of the famous Rabbi Akiva. And Rabbi Akiva, in the debate that the Chachamim have, what is greater, Limud learning or Maisadid, he is the one who was quoted as having said that Talmud Godol, learning is greater. So how could Rabbi Shema Bar Yochai be the one to come and say that the crown of a good name is above, not only above, but it rises above the three others, even higher than Keser Torah. And even though we must self-understood that even according to Rabbi Shema Bar Yochai, learning alone is not enough. Rabbi Shema Bar Yochai, we learn out from the different discussions of the Gemara, felt that it is important sometimes to stop the learning, to do a mitzvah, to, go, to do a good deed. So we're trying to explain over here, it seems from here that uh, even one who is Torah-so-um-naso is not allowed to be completely empty of good deeds. Such a person must also do the good deeds. But how do we say that the good deeds that such a person does is superior to the study of Torah? So the Rebbe gives a possible answer, which is understood from one of the teachings of Rashbi, of Shemim Bar Yochai, who was teaching about the importance of the stoppage of learning sometimes to perform a mitzvah. And it continues by saying that according to Shemim Bar Yochai, one who, when is Torah learning great, even by one whose main focus in life is the learning, only if the learning is for the sake of doing. And if one learns Torah and the intent is not necessarily the performance and the fulfillment of the laws of Torah, it would perhaps be better if such a person, it would be better, Noach lo shalom nivra, would be better if he hadn't even been born. So from what do we see from here that Sometimes one has to pause to do a mitzvah, even in the case of somebody like Rav Shimon, is not only because it's important to do a mitzvah. That's what Hashem wants. But it indicates that what is the tachlis, what is the focus, what is the main purpose of learning? Learning is only for the sake, limud is for the sake, lasos to do. And being that doing mitzvahs is the main point of learning, therefore, it's more important than the learning, than the, the deed is more important. So the whole purpose of the learning is to lead to that deed. So therefore, the Kesher Shem Tov is more important. But really, we could look at it the other way. If one has to stop the learning to do a mitzvah, not because the mitzvah is so great, but because the learning of Torah is such, that's why we learn Torah. So in other words, what happens so if you learn without that purpose, there is something lacking in the learning. And therefore, we learn, according to the teaching of the Alter Rebbe, where the Alter Rebbe brings, that one is obligated in the halachas of learning Torah, that one is obligated to stop to do a mitzvah that cannot be done through anybody else. This is what a person is all about. And the Alter Rebbe quotes from the Mishnah, or from the Gemara, from the Chachamim, that the whole tachlis of Chochmah is tshuva and masim tovim. And if not, it shows that the whole learning was not for the sake of doing, and that's not a good thing. So here the Rebbe explains that the Alter Rebbe is coming to explain that the fact that one must pause in any learning to do a mitzvah, especially if it cannot be done through someone else, 
because this is what the whole Torah is there for in the first place. And if the person doesn't do that, it shows that he, his learning was not for the sake of doing. So what was his learning for? His learning was for the sake of learning, but, he's, uh, but uh, he is learning because he likes to learn, but he's missing the whole purpose. The whole purpose is in order to do something with this learning, otherwise there would not be any need for the learning in the first place, and the perfection, the completion, the ultimate fulfillment of the learning is tshuva and masim tovim. But from here, we don't necessarily see that the tshuva and masim tovim are higher than the learning. We just see that they are the purpose of the learning. And we can't leave it with that, because in the Mishnah that we are learning here this week, Rav Shemar Bar Yochai doesn't say that Keser Shem Tov is also a crown that's equivalent to the learning of Torah. But Keser Shem Tov is higher than all the others. What do we mean when we say Ola Al Gabehen? It's higher, because till now we established that it is the purpose of the learning. But how do we know it's higher than the learning? So this we know from many other things we've learned. What was the whole purpose of creation? What was Hashem's intent? to create the world, because he wanted us to take this world and make out of this world a dwelling place for him. What does that mean? That means that in every single aspect of our lives in this world, we have to be aware of this intent, and no matter what it is that we are doing, on what level we are, or what level of thing we're doing, the purpose is that we want to make a dira b'tachtonin. So it's not only through doing deeds, like performing practical mitzvos, which most often are done with material things. So if we use a material thing to do a mitzvah, we take parchment and we write a Torah, we take an esrog and we say a brach, or anything that we do a mitzvah with, we're quite well aware that this helps make the world a better place, makes the world a godly, a godly place, because we are taking material things and elevating them by doing a mitzvah. But this lifting up the world and infusing the world with godliness also applies to learning Torah. When we learn Torah, it has to be in a way that we are creating a dwelling place for Hashem down here. So this would apply to every Yid, even to a Yid like Roshim Bar Yochoi, about whom we say Torah, so, no, so he and his Torah are one. Even though it's the kind of uh, setting, the kind of person and the kind of situation where we're dealing with someone who is really not so vested in the world, and yet in his learning, he has to make the world a dwelling place for Hashem. So the Rebbe brings an explanation. There is a principle that we learn, if someone is imprisoned, if someone is in captivity, they cannot release themselves from their imprisonment. There has to be someone who will free them. So let's take Yidin in this world. If we have an avoda to make this dwelling place, a dwelling place for Hashem while we are in this world, how would we, how would we be able to lift the world and to uplift the concealment of the world if we are in it? How can we rise above it? How can we take the material and the physical and the natural and make it godly? Therefore, we learn that we have to sort of divest ourselves from the world, get higher from the world in everything we do, even in 
the learning of Torah. How does this happen? So here we learn something quite fascinating. How does a Yid have the Koyach to be able to lift himself or herself up from the limitations and physical strictures and constrictions of this world? There has to be something to pull the Yid out because we cannot rise out from where we were put. We were put into a material world, so how do we make it spiritual? So this is what gets accomplished by those individuals, like Roshimon Bar Yochai, about whom we say, Torasam Umnaso. By them learning in such a manner, their learning is for the purpose of bringing godliness into the world, even through their learning, they accomplish that every single yid, even the one who is uh, not learning at a given time, because the Torah does give a standard uh, advice or standard demands of who must learn what. Not everyone is made to learn Torah all the time, even if they only learn one little bit in the morning and one little bit at night. But while they are learning, their learning has to be in a manner of Torah umnasam. That means the regular Jew, when he is learning Torah, his Torah has to be in a way of the Torah of Shimon Bar Yochai or others whose trade is essentially only the learning of Torah. And they are the ones who give us this ability. Now, in order that one who is Torah umnaso should be able to pull himself away and dedicate time to other yidn, to worldly matters, it's not enough that a person thinks about this when the person has to go and work with another person. Why? Because if that's how it's going to be, if someone is so into the learning, it can happen sometimes that somebody needs that person's help. And it's very difficult to leave the learning and to go out and deal with something or someone that is in a lower situation because the learning absorbs the person so much. Therefore, we learn that the actual limud ha-Torah itself has to be permeated with the kavana, with the intent that the whole learning is for one purpose only. And that one purpose only is in order to accomplish something in this world by helping other people as well. And therefore, we can now explain when the Gemara says that the learning of Torahso Umnoso is not only that those who were at that level, that they were, had to stop to do certain mitzvahs in certain situations, but the point was that their very learning was not just to go and practically do a mitzvah, but rather their learning was for the sake of doing in their very, very learning. And this teaches us a lesson that in the very, very learning, no matter how much one is involved and steeped in it, the main point is lasos. Lomed almenas lasos, because otherwise, if one does not learn in this manner, if one learns only in the manner of learning alone, it may become very difficult and even impossible to tear oneself away from that learning. So now we can ask a question. What's the question? If we're speaking about a person who is not Torah so umnoso, not completely uh, taken, abstracted from the world, we could understand how when one is learning, one can think 
one has to lower himself to go help another yid. But if we're talking about one who is Toroso Umnoso, how can somebody who is in such a profound uh, system of learning think about accomplishing someone with someone else, think about going out into the field and earning a living and doing things like that? So now we'll understand this very well. We're all familiar with the terms Ratzo and Shuv. We really exist on two levels. There's Ratzo where the Neshama yearns, the Yid yearns to his Neshama to go and serve Hashem and be involved in higher and lofty things, sort of running out of the world to higher places. And we know that our goal is really to remain here, so staying right here in this world. And these are two completely opposing motions or movements or levels of existence in our existence on this world, because the way Hashem made the world, we have limitations. The world has limitations. We have constraints of time and of place and many other things. But when the Yid is able to lift himself to the level beyond these dimensions, these restrictions, these finite measurements, how can that happen? So this happens when the main intent of a Yid, the main focus of a Yid, is to do what Hashem wants. In other words, one can be constrained in this world, or one can be learning Torah very intently, but one feels, bitl, what feels very, very humble and nullified in the presence of Hashem. And if, if a person is able to live like that in both situations, whether he's existing in the highest realms of learning and connecting to Hashem in the highest spiritual way, or whether the person is involved in the most mundane and material of things, such a person is able to function with both of these levels simultaneously because underlying such a person's very being is the fact that he is there standing before Hashem and the primary focus is doing what Hashem wants. And this also explains the different teachings we have from the Chachamim if one is a shliach of someone, one becomes like that someone, or eved melech melech, or if one is a servant to a melech, to a king, so he already uh, becomes a little bit like the king, he becomes like the melech, because if the shlichus is to fulfill the desire of the meshaleach, of the melech, of the sender, so then it doesn't matter what you're doing, you're going to be doing the right thing. And more so, when one is on a level of vital, then restrictions fall away. And if on that level, opposites can exist simultaneously. And therefore, when one learns Torah, Torah so umnoso, it's one's main focus in life. And one enjoys it tremendously. One really feels the beauty and glory of it. So in such a case, a person may not even have any intent of coming back to the lower world. But if one learns Torah, because that is what Hashem wants, that is the reason. Hashem wants me to learn Torah. Hashem wants me through the Torah to make a derabit tachtonim. Then it's possible to have both of these opposites, the Ratzel and the Shuk, coexisting, because one can be completely absorbed in Torah. And at that time, one can still know that the whole purpose of the learning is to affect the rest of the world to affect those who are not on that level, even though that may seem to be a lowering. And the same thing is manifest by Rav Bar Yochai. We have a very famous story in the Gemara that when Rav Bar Yochai and his son came out of the cave after 12 years and they saw 
regular people doing regular things, plowing or planting, and they saw that people were doing these things which are mundane things, instead of doing things that have eternal value, ruchniyazdik things. So everything they looked at, Rav Shimon and his son, wherever they looked, those areas were burned, we are taught. And then they were told to go back to the cave for another year. And after they came out of the cave, the Gemara tells us that everything that Rebbe Lazar uh, destroyed, because it was so lowly, it says Reb Shimon healed it. Reb Shimon cured it, brought it back. And Reb Shimon said to his son, It's sufficient for this world, just you and I in our Torah learning. What did he mean when he said these words? It's sufficient for those who study Torah, you, I and you, is not that only they are the ones that could learn Torah in that manner, and others, chas will not be learning the Torah, but rather it's enough that the way they are learning Torah, the two of them together, it's enough to accomplish that in the world, there should be an expression of higher than the world. Now, one more thing. It's interesting that this lesson, that in the 13th year, there was a change in Rip Shimon, and he knew that, or he indicated, it was indicated to him from Shamayim, that the whole learning is for the purpose of lifting up the world. This is really understood if we think about the fact that 12 years in the cave was one kind of existence, completely, complete spirituality. But in the 13th year, there was this change. What, is, what does that mean? So we can learn this, that says from appreciating the difference between the number 12 and the number 13. When we talk about the number 12, the number 12 relates to the Seder of the Falkers, to the Seder that Hashem put into the world, where Ratzo and Shuv are absolutely opposite each other and there it would look like people are doing worldly things and at the same time giving up on higher things there is no connection between things that are related to time and space and restrictions and finite limitations and eternal life and that's what 12 represents. As we know, 12 represents the 12 months of the year. It has to do with the constraints of time and creation. But in the 13th year, what happened? Rip Shimon not only was not like in the 12th year that we learned, but on the other hand, it says he was so much involved in the world. The Lashon the Gemara uses is uh, ha, um, Havimasi, he would heal. Doesn't even use the word repair, but the word heal. In other words, maybe there was some kind of spiritual illness in the world. And Rabbi Shimon was able to, through his Torah Naso, to teach us how this could be cured through this bittle. Now, when we go back to the Mishnah with which we start in the beginning of the Parsha, before we relate it to the actual parsha, we're going to see one more thing where Rabbi Shimon says, Keser Shemtov, Ola al Gabeya. Not that Keser Shemtov is a fourth crown, another thing of the level of the other three, but Ola al Gabeya, meaning to say 
that when we do Masim Tovim, when we do good deeds, in the actual study of Torah itself, what does that mean? That through our Torah study, we are able to dedicate ourselves to other, and we are able to teach Torah to them, and this means that the Keser Torah is really all about Nasim Tovim, and therefore Keser Shem Tov, Ola Al Gabeim, is higher than all of them, because in addition to learning for oneself, which is a kind of Keser Torah, there is the Al Gabeim. What does that mean? This Keser Shem Tov, this very thing of doing the good deeds, makes the learning in a manner of Shem Tov. Meaning this, meaning to dedicate one's life, to connect to other people in such a manner of Ola al Gabeyan. The whole purpose, the whole kavana of the study of Torah becomes manifest in the teaching it to others and giving oneself over to others. So the learning itself is about the good deeds, is the good deed of why one is in this world. And then the Rebbe goes further, if we just learned a Mishnah, and in the Mishnah we learned that Keser Shentov, good deeds, supersedes everything that came before it, even the greatest kinds of learning, that Rebbe says, if we go according to Derech Remez, this Mishnah that we just learned in our Perek happens to be Mishnah Yud Gimel, the 13th Mishnah in the 4th Perek, coming to indicate that Keser Shemtov, Ola Al Gabeyan, was something that was accomplished by Rav Shimon Bar Yochai by being in the cave the 13th year. So now we have the number 13 above limitation, the Mishnah 13, and the fourth parak of Pirkei Avos, which connects to Parsha's Bahar, and which is read in the week of Lag Omer many times, as it is this year. So let's try to connect this now with Lagba Omer. We all know that the Zohar tells us the following story, that on the day that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochoi was departing from this world, he himself, of course, had reached these tremendous levels, and his Talmidim were with him, and it says that at that time he revealed to his students holy words such as had never been revealed before. So this fits in very well with the general accomplishment of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai connected to the secrets, the inner secrets of Torah. All other Tanoim, other sages of his time who were involved in learning secrets of the Torah, they learned them, but they did not reveal them to others. What was Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai's accomplishment? He was able to combine the secret parts of Torah with the revealed parts of Torah in a manner of bringing the secrets which are higher than the world to revelation in the world, which is really similar to the lesson we learned before when they came out of the cave, that in the 13th year, there was a chibor, an absolute uh, connection, composite between Chaye Olam, the life, the eternal life, and Chaye Shah, the temporary life of this world which has its limitations. And to conclude, the Rebbe teaches us the following, that the combination of Chaye Olam, higher than world, and Chaye Shah being very much involved in this world is also the essential point of Parsha's Bahar. Because what do we have in the Parsha? So we said that even when we are in this world, 
end, we have to observe the laws of Shemitah, which relate to planting the earth and everything about Parnas and everything about our sustenance. But it was taught at Har Sinai, so it is higher than Teva. And these laws of Shemitah are part of the Parsha that's called Behar, Behar Sinai, because everything we do in this world is permeated with the fulfillment of Har Sinai, of bringing godliness into the world. And that's why in the beginning of the Parsha, now we know a principle that the beginning of the Parsha incorporates in itself all the other things in the Parsha. And the end of the Parsha, there's a principle that the way something concludes, everything is going to follow that. So how do we see this in the beginning of the Parsha, which speaks about the laws of Shemitah given at Har Sinai? Then we see sort of an unraveling of the high levels until a year comes to the lowest possible level. So let's see what the Rebbe tells us here. In the beginning of the Parsha, we learn about Shemitah. What is the accomplishment of Shemitah? That a Yid who is involved with working the soil, with working the earth, to a point where he is related and connected to the laws of nature. And we have the question, if we will not work the land in the seventh year, etc., what will we eat? Such a Yid has to have a year of Shabbos Hashem a year, a sabbatical year, when he could completely dedicate himself to Harsinai. If one is not involved in earning the living that comes from the soil, one can study Torah, worry-free completely, like one who practices Torah Se'um Naso, like Rav Shimon Bar Yochoi. He lives a life of Shabbos Hashem. The light of Hashem, the light of above nature, shines in his life. So this is one thing. What happens at the end of the Parsha? Something even more unusual, that we have a Yid, and we see the Yid going lower from level to level. He's constantly descending. So, such a descent in the world, in the natural world, that it's a seemingly essential kind of descent that one actually becomes subjugated to one who serves idols, and he as a Yid, is able to feel that I am just like this person, who I am subjugated to, and I will live just like he does. So what does the Torah say in conclusion? At the end of the Parsha, the Torah says, Lo Sasu, and tells us not to do certain things that relate to Avodah Zorah. And the Rebbe explains here, nobody is able to do anything to the Neshama of a Yid. Nobody is able to control, to dominate any aspect of the life of a Jew regarding matters of Torah and mitzvot. And the, at the very end of the parsha, it ends with the words, after this discussion, Ani Hashem. And Rashi explains Ani Hashem, as we know, the name Hashem is Mitos Rachmim, and Rashi says, Ani, doesn't even say Ani Hashem Elokeichem, but Ani Hashem, Neman L'Shalem Schar. I can be trusted to give reward, it doesn't even indicate the name Elohim, which is a remez for punishment, because even this Yid never has to be doomed, has to show them. What is the idea of schar? What is really the essential reward for a mitzvah? The essential reward for a mitzvah is that the godly light, which one draws forth into this world by doing a mitzvah, illuminates the life, the heart of the person who did the mitzvah, and 
it comes down through all his keiches and nefesh, starting from his mind, his understanding, and then to his feeling, meaning that even a yid who sold himself to an Oved Avodazara is able to rise above the Shibud Larabo, is able to rise above the subjugation that he has to his master and reach the level of Ani Hashem, which is completely above nature. So we see from here that the most important thing is doing a mitzvah. The learning of Torah and the greatest level is all because this is what Hashem wants us to do. The doing of the mitzvah and the regular normal life is only because that is what Hashem wants us to do. And if Hashem one falls low, one should never give up because ultimately nobody could dominate the neshama of the Yid and the connection that a Yid has to Hashem will always shine through and bring us very soon now in Ritz Hashem to the coming of Mashiach where we will be able not only to learn about this but to see it with open eyes. Thank you.